0: i Spaces Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, April 22nd, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command. Have you heard of TDX? Listen, Orbital Command is putting together the TerraDap Expo on June 9th and 10th in Austin, Texas. Not Boston, I know, that's what I thought. Austin, Austin, Texas. Come get doxed IRL and share merriments with all of your favorite fellow lunatics and lunatics. For more information, go to terradapexpo.com or hit the menu item on the site right here on terraspaces.org. And as always, be sure to check out Orbital Command online at orbitalcommand.io. Terraspaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For more information, check out terraspaces.org/sponsors. Today on the Ether, bridging beyond the IBC with Axelar. Let's take a listen.
1: Here, and we got you in here as it's all uh it's all perfect
2: timing today it's looking like for everybody hey great to see you jack great to see you too sergey what's going on are you cooking dinner today i am i'm uh grilling some asparagus oh. and then we've got some uh like a greek chicken soup a have it's gonna be tasty nice nice oh what about you it's uh a little late
3: there on the east coast it's a little late not too bad i mean my dinner is ahead so <laughs> well, Still, still early.
2: Nice. Well, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of folks have seen on Twitter today the uh, the, the sort of bridge discussion that, that Tricky and uh, Cosmos Clay led us into. Um, and you know, I, I, I've been kind of saying that I think Axlar is kind of one of the better solutions. So, really excited to talk a bit more to Sergey about sort of like what makes Axlar special and like why Axlar is the right bridge for Osmosis. Sergey, do you want to? for to chat about that a little bit? Yeah, no,
3: for sure. I mean, look, I I think on a high level, um, what we have built is really a secure cross-chain kind of communication transport layer, right, that uh, optimized for Web3 to deliver connectivity across the chains where, you know, IBC, let's say, is not available, right? Um, The technology in the stack itself is based on proof-of-stake concept, similar how, you know, Osmosis or other Cosmos chains run. I think what we have done is really optimized the platform for user experience, and I think our team is very dedicated to continue optimizing on those fronts, um, as well as more general reachability across you know, tons of different ecosystems. So it's not just a pairwise bridge that we're building. We're building really an end-to-end connectivity platform that supports things like general message passing and arbitrary calls. So. Yeah, and I think Osmosis and the team um, are doing one of the best jobs, I think, building a Dex that's you know, optimized with user experience in mind. And I think we're, we have a similar you know, vision for how the interaction with Texas should be, and it should be really frictionless for the users. And so I'm, I'm super excited about this and, and about the potential.
1: Yeah, Sergey, so let's just go ahead and get into it. So, you know, you just kind of touched base on, you guys have really, you know, focused on the user experience, which I feel like is a common theme. Can you kind of just go more into like the base? I've never kind of heard of Axelar and never heard uh, who Sergey is, kind of who you are, how we got into this and uh, what you're building with Axelar. Yeah, for sure.
3: So yeah, great to you know, great to be here again. Like thanks for the invite. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know me, my background is uh, technical um distributed systems cryptography. In my early works were in software-defined networking, where we're building kind of distributed routing tables to you know guarantee delivery of, of packets across the internet, you know, in, in sort of sub-millisecond range. So um that was super exciting. Then I wanted to study formal cryptography. So I went to grad school at MIT. Um, spent a number of years there building kind of core protocols, um, algorithms that are um, have been um, kind of designed to protect the information in untrusted environments, right? So blockchain is a, is an example of an untrusted environment where you have to think, you know, adversarially 24/7, um, and so that naturally gravitated me to work towards blockchain and of combination of networking that I'm super passionate about, plus cryptography. Um, I started to work on um, the AlGrand protocol, which um, was built out of the group with uh, from MIT with my co-founder, Yorgos, and a few other folks. So we launched that to the market. Um, but after doing that, we saw just an array of other beautiful ecosystems and protocols and networks being built. And so, you know, I think the problem of interoperability looked really interesting for us. Uh, How do you make it, you know, as frictionless as possible to connect different ecosystems? And, um, you know, Cosmos was pioneering a lot of the work in that thinking. And, um, you know, we uh, started to work on the problem as well. Um, And um, since then, we've been building Acceler for the last year and a half. And, uh, you know, we built it around the Cosmos stack, which was... Um, Exactly what we needed to kind of customize and build it for connecting ecosystems that didn't have or, um, you know, IBC compatibility. And um, yeah, this is kind of where we are. We're now a team of uh, 30 full-time members is mostly technical, um, amazing folks that have very deep backgrounds in distributed systems, cryptography, you know, consensus. Uh, folks have contributed to the you know, industry standards and kind of a protocols across various fields. Um, so yeah, super excited to, to work on this.
1: Yeah, it's super cool. Like I think one of the things that jumps out at me is kind of how the way most bridges out there are trying to just start to think about setting standards, you know, what kind of standards they can set. And I feel like Axelar is kind of going the other way and having, having like almost no standards, by the way, you uh, adapt to everybody's protocol. Uh, and their and their consensus so can you kind of explain how that is scalable and
3: why that? Hey, you break it off a little bit i don't know if it's just me or
2: for everyone yeah I,
1: I missed the end of that too no my fault probably me can you guys hear me a little better now i i think this is better if you can just repeat that um so the way that AxelR uh kind of doesn't set necessarily standards for it, the bridge itself it kind of lets the protocols that it's interacting with uh you know, set the standards and be, rely on that consensus. So going off of that, like, can you just uh, kind of explain how that's going to be a benefit to Cosmos and why that's something that we kind of, you know, want to implement into the ecosystem so that we have that synergy throughout all of the the bridging and roads per se that we're going to be having for all these assets? Yeah, no, for sure. It's a great question. I mean, I think, you know,
3: um, kind of a, our one of the design goals from day one was to kind of think about how to make connecting different ecosystems with different you know consensus rules as easy as possible, right um, You know we have IBC, which provides kind of the ideal security, right if we want to connect uh, chains in a pairwise way and just have a direct connection where we can they can verify you know information from one another. Um, but that comes with engineering overheads uh, or you know sometimes consensus rules that are not very easy to work around to get IBC to work right so the way we kind of architected axelar effectively says that well you know there is going to be a its own network an axel network which is a proof of stake network where validators will do some of the validation work right and some of the verification work in order to reliably transfer information from one ecosystem to another right and and the key there is that because the validators actually query nodes of other chains they run a consensus to agree on the state of the information or the packets that needs to move around right and so the the key benefit of that is that you don't have to you know have like clients available in your implementation where sometimes they're not available um but you get to finalize you know different consensus mechanisms like proof of work you know like ethereum like bitcoin like any other chain uh assuming the validators just um, register their RPC endpoints, vote on events, um, finalize it, and, um, you know, deliver it from one ecosystem to the other. And so the key kind of a opening, you know, factor for us is that, you know, look, we have IBC, right? And I think it's a a great protocol. how do we go beyond that where that's not available right and the the key there is again having an ability to connect an ecosystem in as as easy way as possible right as an example i think we can connect you know evm chains by running just commands on the network in the same way as you can run commands on the network to connect to abc right and assuming the validators kind of registered for it it's it's kind of pretty straightforward to onboard different ecosystems and so our initial rollout was actually focused to connect different cosmos chains with uh different evm environments outside of it right so we connected um with you know ethereum we connected with um moonbeam uh, polygon avalanche um and then on the other end we connected with um you know cosmos hub we make the connection with osmosis we made a connection with um injective and a bunch of other chains that, that they're going to be following um so all those ecosystems were you know, um, you couldn't talk to previously, now all of a sudden have connectivity. Um, so, yeah, that's the high level.
1: That's awesome. And like, I just, you know, every time I, I, I learn more and more about this, kind of like Clay said, like I've been so busy recently, I don't always have the same time to dive in. So I love this this public learning um, we're able to do together. Um, so I think let's get into more so... I think you broke off again. Am I still breaking up? We've, 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 yeah, we 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 yeah, you're back. Um, so Sergey, can you just kind of explain, like, why do you think uh, we should choose Axelar for the bridge for osmosis? Like, what are the key features that Axelar brings that other bridges might not that we should really uh, think about when we're making this vote?
3: Yeah, no, great question. I mean, I think it comes down to, uh, you know, four different avenues. I think, A, you know, Axel delivers secure cross-chain communication based on, Cosmos proof of stake, right? So, from a security perspective, it's really been optimized and designed um, with security in mind. And I think our team is like 100% dedicated to continuing improving that. So, that's one. Two, I think it's the user experience, right? Some of the features we offer on Axel Network, like deposit addresses, would allow people to deposit funds and transfer them using, issuing regular transactions from centralized exchanges, you know, from dumb wallets and directly deposit to Osmosis, right? So I'm super excited about this because that means we're not limited to like MetaMask users, which is like, you know, 30 million users today. We're opening up deposit functionality and asset to, you know, 300 million users, right? So anybody can deposit like USDC from, um, centralized exchange to a deposit address that we're gonna display on osmosis and uh, then be able to you know interact with it directly. So huge distribution potential there. Right. I think the third thing is that you know Axelor is not just a pairwise bridge. I think the way we architecting the system and the way we're designing it, A, we deliver many-to-many connectivity, right? So if there are other chains that don't have IBC that we need support for will be easily be able to onboard them and have like very strong compounding effects and you don't have to create fragmentation underneath it. Then I think the fourth thing is that you know we're rolling out things like general message passing through the stack. Right? So what that means is that you know in, in Cosmos we have the notion of interchain accounts, right? Which allows us to pass like transaction and execute it on a different chain. Now if you want to go beyond that, right, again where IBC is not available, a combination of interchain inter- accounts with channel message passing would allow people to pass kind of payloads and arbitrary instruction as they want to go from one chain to another.
2: Sergey, one thing I do want to note about that as well is that would also cover queries as well. So this is like yep. full featured asynchronous composability for all of DeFi. Yeah, exactly, right? And
3: and, and I think like, you know, uh, Jack, I think we talked about it and I think like One way to think about it is that instead of, you know, just moving assets, right, you get to move potentially like a program, right, or query with your your message from one chain to another, uh, which is like super powerful. That means like users can send an instruction, right, to Osmosis to say, you know, do a swap, do, you know, maybe three swaps in a row and then withdraw funds to a specific destination account on another chain, right, wherever that chain is. And so by passing that information, you actually get to program in some sense what you want to do on osmosis without having to even go and interact with the UI, which I think is like, you know, is going to be like a super powerful and will make osmosis like one of the global liquidity layers for Web3 overall.
2: Yeah. You know, somebody had a tweet about this recently. They were saying osmosis is going to become the like global liquidity layer that SushiSwap should have been. SushiSwap took the sort of previous approach to cross-chain scaling, which is just deploying contracts on a number of chains. The problem there is it fragments the liquidity and leads to really bad user experience. One of the things that I heard Sergey mention a number of times is user experience and how focused they are on that. And practically for bridges, what that's going to mean is not only the sort of generalized message passing and the ability to route through Axelar to any of the connected chains, but it's also low transaction time. And Axelar offers that. Um, and, you know, it's this partnership with Osmosis and making Axelar the main bridge over to Ethereum, um, you know, is going to help cement Osmosis's place as this first true interchain DEX that's going to be able to really offer all of the crypto assets out there. Um, I'm just very excited about it. Hey, Jack, I think
3: we
1: we'll lost you, or I don't know if it's me, though.
2: Uh, very well might have been me.
1: Was it? I can hear you, slide. Who knows? um I kind of have a silly question, but like
4: it how much liquidity in uh do you like estimate would be bridged over once like if you if it was bridged to osmosis? Like how much would you estimate would be coming through that pipeline? And is that even something that you consider or do you just like kind of block that out and build something that would withstand like billions of dollars? You know what I
2: mean? Like is that just something that y'all have thought about? Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can speak for myself and I'm, I'm sure Sergey, who has just dropped out, by the way, um, he will be back. Um, I, I can speak for myself on this, but when we designed IBC, the design spec was billions of dollars a day. Like, what could you use to transfer billions of dollars a day? And the way that they've designed Axelar and the way that this entire, um, you know, set of features has been designed is to be able to handle huge, huge volume. So, um, I don't know exactly what volume we would see over it, uh, but I, I do know that there's a substantial desire to move between all of these chains. And the existing bridging options are proving to be really substandard. And what Axelar and this partnership with Osmosis will do is make that interchain liquidity a reality in a way where it hasn't been before. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's the real opportunity here.
3: Awesome. Hey guys, I'm back. Sorry. I think I lost you for a couple of minutes.
1: You're building XR testing this for like billions in liquidity, or do you have like a set amount that you're, that you have parameters set to as you scale or what does that look like? How do you do your, your security and safety testing?
3: Yeah, no, great question. I mean, I think a couple of things, I think a, you know the right security really comes down to you know the right core infrastructure on which you build things and so you know here of course we chose the kind of the osmosis as the uh, sorry the cosmos sdk as the base layer to make it decentralized right and i think kind of decentralization and security by decentralization is one of the core properties i mean i think the second point to make is that it's actually very important to know how to decouple layers right so recently wrote a blog where we try to decouple various layers of interoperability stacks between you know transport layer verification layer and like message semantics right and you can apply those principles to any protocol you know including ibc uh where there is a message semantics there is the verification layer where you know for ibc it's served the light clients and there is you know the transport layer where again like for the case of ibc it's like permissionless relaying right in axler case the message semantics is something you know you get to interact through um, let's say from an evm chain by talking to our gateway so it's like message semantics that allow you to speak a specific uh kind of protocol at the you know at the verification layer it's the actual consensus right and the validators that actually uh in on events and then on transport layer again you have permissionless you know relaying ac- across all these chains and so I think decoupling these layers and understanding what fits where allows you to have simple designs and allows you to compose on top of them, right? So one thing you potentially like you can do as an example of this is then you can take message semantics, let's say, from IBC, right, and actually apply it on top of Axler, right? Apply through the general message passing or whatever the underlying protocol is um, because that layer serves. Surf- can be decoupled. And so the same way as we think about security, um, by decoupling the layers it allows us to really build a secure design um, in place. And then I think the final thing is like being incredibly thoughtful and incredibly methodical for how you roll out and how you engineer things, right? Um, I mean, I think our team has like the deepest experience in the interoperability space for how to build cryptography, how to build secure systems. We have done, I can tell you, like 15 audits probably on everything from our contracts to the core of the network itself. Um, We are running contests like monthly on those things. I think we're going to continue doing that um, and continue working with our partners, right? To look at the code, to give us feedback, you know, everything is open source, the contracts, you know, the core repository itself. Um, And we're working very closely with a lot of the partners to know, take a look, give us feedback, and uh, iterate with them and then um I think a final thing just just to mention is that on top of it, you can actually have because you have the separation of layers, you can build very interesting application layer protocols to amplify security to make it better, right so for instance, you can say, well, from my specific token minted contracts that I want to pass through Axir, maybe you know I want a rate limit for how much can flow in, in an hour, right? So, you know, if there is a, a hack or a bridge, you can kind of uh, enforce some of the semantics at an application layer, right, above the network, uh, but have a much stronger security for specific use cases you're thinking about, right? And those policies can then be customized whenever you're talking about token transfer, or general message passing, you can, you know, you can customize those um Kind of security policies on top of it, which which I think uh, you know could be quite interesting as well.
2: You know, yeah. one thing that I think is sorry, Tricky, just one quick point here. Um, one thing that I think is kind of missed in a lot of the Osmosis bridge debate right now, especially by the other participants, is like this sort of war over tor- token representation, where right now the bridges are sort of competing for how to be the canonical token representation. That is not at all the end state of Bridges. The end state of Bridges is these data transfer layers that that really enable true interoperability, exactly what Sergey is talking about here. And I think that as as, as Osmosis token holders, we need to sit and think like, what's a long-term solution to this problem? What's the team that's handling it the best and offering us most extensibility into the future? And like, if you look at it just on the token transfer protocol layer, like all of the options look relatively the same, but when you zoom back out and look at the teams, you look at the architecture that they're building, you put all the factors together. I think there's a clear winner here. Anyway, sorry to bring it back to Osmosa. No,
3: I think that's great. By the way, Jack, I think, yeah, you, you have it exactly right. Like I think our end goal is actually make sure people don't see bridges like period, right? I mean, I think we need to build secure transport layers and I think we're building like the core pipes and connectivity. Um, but the goal is like people see, you know, Osmosis. they love the app, they want to go and use it
1: from wherever they are. And I think we have to work towards that. I love it. Yeah, let's let's see. We got some questions that are specific to the bridging for osmosis too. Uh, so one question we had from NOS Nodes is, is curious um, about like batching transactions. So is that something that Axelar will be able to implement or will implement soon? Um, because technically right now, uh if through batch transactions gravity bridge would technically be the cheaper option um but what does that look like for axlar
3: yeah no great question i mean we're actually already implement batching right at the at the core uh protocol layer so what that means is that you know there is a certain um kind of frequency with which these batches can be collected and then all the transactions within the batch you know a- aggregated you know processed and then relayed and You can set the frequency of how often these batches are processed and kind of amortize the costs along the way. So, yeah, it's actually already supported on the network.
2: Yeah, and and I would also note on top of that, the batching that's been implemented for the Gravity Bridge um, is only on a per-token basis. So, like, you know, Tricky, let's say you want to send over E and uh, somebody else wants to send over some Doge, or uh, not Doge, sorry, uh, Shiba Inu is the dog coin. Um, or any one of those other ERC-20s, each of those ERC-20s are separate batches. So that's actually not necessarily cheaper. The batching Sergey is talking about is on a per-transaction basis, uh, which is vastly more efficient um, than the Gravity Bridge batching. So like Axel are better on the batching. Yeah, and I think just final
3: point to to make there is that because we are offer kind of many-to-many connectivity, right? What that means is that you know all the transactions that are flowing to an outgoing queue in this case let's say osmosis they're all going to be batched together right and all going to be processed so you know that gets you much much bigger savings uh, down the line if there is you know one transaction from each chain they're all going to get into the same queue
2: this is what happens when you get a networking engineer to design a networking protocol they like take all of the best practices that we as a society have learned for like years and years and apply them to it And I think that what we've seen in crypto up until now is a lot of people sort of solving the next problem over and over again. And like the current generation of bridge designs that aren't IBC or Axelar, sort of suffer from this at a really deep level. You know, we're like rushing to solve the next problem. We're not stepping back and trying to bring in best practices from other industries and just applying them. And like that's the that's the design that Sergey has here. And it's great.
1: Yeah, so I think what you're building is, is really, really cool. And I think uh, kind of just when you were going into how, you know, like passing all of this, this data and information to the bridge is going to be so much more than just little simple, you know, messages of value. Um, you're kind of like bringing the interchain queries and accounts to chains outside of, you know, the Cosmos and IBC into, you know, this IBC uh, ecosystem we've got. Um, so I'm going to have somebody come up from the crowd um, that's probably got a question for you guys, but I just want to remind everybody here. Um, we're doing the, uh, we're talking about Axelar, um, uh, as a bridge option for osmosis. Um, now that we have the uh, proposals up, um, we have Sergey up here and Jack, and we're just, you know, talking about, you know, what that looks like for Axelar osmosis and, you know, diving into the details about, um, axilar. So if you have any questions, feel free to DM me, um, or feel free to request them. I can come up on stage and, uh, we'll get to your questions. Um, but we have somebody on stage. How do I pronounce your
5: name? Is it it's like it. Yeah like it how are you doing hey good good thanks for having me uh really excited about the general message passing architecture that XL has uh maybe this is not just for sergey but for for everyone else including sunny i think who's still on here what are some of the more call it out there features that general message passing can enable on osmosis uh, beyond batching
3: yeah um great question so I mean, I can start, but I think yes, yeah, since you know, Sandy and Jack are here, I think they'll have a lot of thoughts as well. So I think the basic way to think about it, the difference between a token transfer and a, like a general message passing transfer, is the same as the difference between what you can do with, let's say, like a Bitcoin as an as a programming layer and Ethereum, right? That's high level to, the way to think about it. On Ethereum, you have complete kind of Turing completeness. What that means is that you can code an arbitrary logic. An arbitrary program and then execute it right and on bitcoin serve you're limited to scripts and kind of a coding around that and so and the basic use cases now you can think about it is that you know suppose you have you know a token or an asset on you know let's say ethereum or avalanche right so what you can do is you can make a call to take this asset move it to osmosis right swap it for any other asset um and Withdraw it on any other chain that you want. Now with bridging and like everything else, you're gonna have to do those things manually, right? You're gonna have to go and execute, you know, a transfer like through a bridge, move it to Osmosis, like deposit, execute one swap, maybe execute three swaps if you want, um, then move it out explicitly like somewhere else, right? And so by having general message passing, now we can code the program with your intent. We can relate from the source chain where you started, like, you know, Ethereum or Avalanche. And then that message will be relayed to Osmosis, you know, executed there. You get all the trades executed, and then you get it delivered at the end of the day to the wallet or any other address anywhere else in the world, effectively, right? So it allows us to really kind of a program this li- li- liquidity layer on Osmosis um, and program users' intents. Right. And that goes beyond just users' intents. Now you can talk about kind of programs interacting with Osmosis. Right? So you can have another application that's sitting somewhere else you know, in the Cosmos ecosystem or you know, an EVM chain, make a call to another contract and say, you know, do a swap or perform any other uh, kind of operation, and uh, it will all get routed, it will all ex- get executed and returned back and kind of the way that i think about it um, is effectively will allow us to code kind of a web three super apps of the world right where previously we're limited to like certain functionalities like you know one swap or um you know a token transfer but all of a sudden with general uh kind of transport layers um the applications where we can uh compose will be almost like super apps where you can do anything from loans, right? To swaps and and anything else you can think of like in, in DeFi or asset space. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what, you know, Jack thinks or I don't know if uh, Sanya wants to add something here as well.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things that's been talked about, Sergey, I think you and Sonny both mentioned this to me, um, a practical application that I, I think folks could think about is imagine you are on, any blockchain with your assets, and you want to move over to another blockchain, and you need gas fees on that blockchain. Axelar would handle the the transport, and via IBC, transact with Osmosis to trade a portion of your assets that you're transferring into uh, some assets on that other chain, and then you would end up on that other chain with whatever kind of asset mix you want. And you know that's like the original vision of Shapeshift from like. 2014, um, but also like now, really truly enabled through decentralized wires. Um, that's something fundamentally new. You know, Sergey was talking there about Turing completeness and how you can really build much more complex, multifaceted apps. The example that always comes to mind for me is the explosion of creativity that happened on Ethereum um, with the true composability between the applications pretty much all of the smart contracting platforms that are around right now are trying to recreate that. But you can't really recreate that in a really real way. And Solana even still runs into uh, throughput challenges. And, you know, I think one of the things about blockchain architecture that's always been seemed true to me is like, you're not going to have one single blockchain that's going to handle everything. You're going to need a lot of these things. And like, we see this practically in the history of blockchain. Blockchains have scaled by creating more of them. They haven't scaled by making one faster and faster. Computers are no different. Um, so, you know, the next boom in creativity of smart contracts is not going to come from a faster smart contract chain. It's going to come from a change in the programming model, a change from synchronous communication between contracts to asynchronous communication between contracts. And that's exactly what. Axelar and IBC and all of these sort of general message passage, passing technologies that we've been working on over in Cosmos for a very long time enable. It's this asynchronous composability. And we're finally at the place where that sort of universal exchange converter that allows you to move seamlessly between any blockchain and ensure you have gas, ensure you have assets to access whichever protocol you want to, um, is enabled by pairing Axelar with Osmosis in this very real way. And like, Strange Love is working on a bunch of technology to sort of enable different pieces of this, um, and, and to help both of the teams. But yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, we had someone in the crowd say that uh, this feels like you know this Axlar osmosis thing is a Pokemon evolving to level two, or their next evolution. <laughs> um, so it's, it's cool, cool to watch and see. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, uh, know, we... <laughs> I, I go, Jack, just go, Jack.
2: just on that. Like, I I totally agree with you on that. I think that uh, Osmosis did go to market for IBC, and like they took a lot of this technology that we've been working on and made the first real application that used it. And you know, Osmosis is continuing to innovate in this cross chain world, and they're going to go first to market with this true cross chain composability. I'm, like that's going to be really exciting to see.
3: Yeah, and, and I think on that right, I think the the, the reason we saw that the power of interoperability right Osmosis is because all of a sudden, you know, dozens or, you know, many dozens of chains were connected at the same time, right? And I I just just want to emphasize that, you know, while we are picking, you know, a a bridge provider for, you know, Ethereum, I think Axel brings a lot more behind it, right? Where we'll be able to connect dozens of different chains and have incredibly strong compounding effects in a similar way as we saw from IBC. And I think um, that's going to put, I
1: think, osmosis to the next level. So one of the things that, Kind of got some team recently and i'm sure people would love is uh and we've kind of talked about it bringing over like dogecoin to do Osmosis. um is that something that Axelar wants to do can do and when they bring over assets like that would you consider those native assets or wrapped at that point <laughs> great question
3: um yeah so in general we'll we'll want to you know bring all the assets we can um, we actually have a working you know, Bitcoin module that we've been working on um, that was based on um, kind of ECDSA threshold signatures. So we had it live running for six months. We didn't ship it to the mainnet yet. Uh, one of the reasons was um, because Bitcoin actually introduced uh, you know, Schnorr signatures, which are a lot more efficient. And so we're just doing an upgrade there to, um, to facilitate um, that connection with, with Bitcoin. You know, I think Dogecoin is definitely you know, incredibly interested and exciting. And I think, um, you know, definitely we're interested in it, either doing it ourselves or also working with, uh, with you know, some of the partners to, um, to help um, bring it. Uh, the security model there or the scripts there are a little bit weaker. So we have to take a little bit more precautions uh, before we do that. But yeah, once we integrate with it, Effectively, what it will be, you know, uh, it will be an asset minted, you know, on Axelar, and then from there, like anything else, you can kind of transfer
2: it through IBC. Awesome! I, I really want to see Dogecoin on Osmosis. Tricky guys, thanks a lot for having me. I, I got to run and eat this dinner. Uh, and Sergey, like, awesome! Great seeing you. See you soon. Later. Thanks bye. so much see. for
1: stopping by. Yep. Later, Jack. He's good. Awesome. So, Sergey, another question we have from the crowd um, is kind of like two parts regarding to the token. Um, when will we see the token uh, kind of be live? Like, do we have the uh, I think it's the Mango auction um, like going on, or we're going to have a LBP um, event on Osmosis? Um, and when, how does the Axelar token come into play in this? Since you know you're bridging assets from you know chain to chain. Um, is Axelar the fee token for all this bridging? Is it in the, the governance as well? Is it have more utility? Um, what does that look like? Yep, great question. So yeah, on the high level,
3: you know, Axelar token is is designed to power you know the network itself, right? So it's used for uh, for staking, for governance of the network, for uh, paying transaction fees, right? And in this case, we're talking about you know cross chain transaction fees to to process those messages from you know EVM chains to to Cosmos chains. And um, the way we have designed the stack though through our architecture on top of it and various services is that, you know, users don't directly interact with actual token, but a lot of automated kind of conversion happens on the back end when the user moves, let's say from Ethereum to um, kind of Cosmos chain or Osmosis, right? So what happens is that the user pays a transaction fee only once in the asset that they want on the source chain and you know, it doesn't have to be actual token. You can pay, you know, in ETH, you can pay in the asset that you transfer. Um, and then the transaction fees calculated in such a way that all the other fees like on Axel network, on the destination chain, all the relaying is then taken care of. Right. So the token is involved under the hood, um, but from a user perspective, you're kind of interacting using all of this with with one click like from the from the wallet or from the from the source chain from which you're uh initiating the request
1: that's really cool because that's one of those ui features that you know like oh i didn't save enough dust or i don't have enough i didn't account for the gas or whatever so being like having that mechanism to where it it does all that in the background you know and the users not necessarily having to worry about that um that's really cool and i think that's going to be uh be super important so i know i'm I'm glad to see that Uh, um i think and we had a uh, kind of a validator question for you if uh we could so it had to be in regards to the validators connecting um to the nodes for all the different chains that will be that they'll be bridging. Um so do they need to set up their own nodes uh for each chain or can they connect to public nodes? Um and what does that look like for a validator? Yeah, again, great question. So as a validator, you know, you
3: you A, you register to vote on events from a certain chain, right? And then you, you know, you connect the RPC endpoints and um you kind of a vote for it. I mean, we definitely encourage and work with our validators to set up uh, their own nodes, you know, and I think that's important for, you know, security and decentralization. A lot of them, though, especially kind of um, bigger staking providers, they already run many of the nodes. Um, That being said, I think it's important to note that kind of in axler, the way that it works is an opt-in mechanism, right? So meaning that as a validator, you go and you register and you're incentivized to run and support as many chains as possible, right? So you don't have to run all of them. And like, you can actually go to, you know, and you can see which validators register for which chains. Um, but you're incentivized to support as many, you know, have them as possible and there'll be extra rewards for the validators um,
1: that uh, support more. Cool. So like you continue, you know, it's an opt-in kind of like, you know, Cosmos, it's nothing support. Um, but as you continue to opt-in it- there's more incentives for uh, people to continue supporting Axelar and the things that they're expanding. So I, so I, I really like how, you know, like I said, you guys don't necessarily have like these bridge standards. You just kind of adapt to whatever consensus, the uh, you know, the asset you're trying to bridge. Um, So seeing is that it's kind of just like really, you know, dependent on each chain. So is this infinitely scalable? Um, Or does it reach a point where maybe there's changes that have to be made to Axelar um, to make this happen? Or was that kind of the whole idea? No changes as we go. Yeah, no,
3: great question. So, you know, um, our plan is to connect kind of, a, you know, as many chains as we can, right? And and there's kind of a couple ways to get there. But at the, at the core of it is a very principle that I think it kind of engraved actually in some of the stuff that Cosmos community has been building is around horizontal scaling, right? And so the idea is that, you know, A, on actual network, like I said, because things are opt-in, you actually can end up in situations where, you know, let's say like 50 validators vote on certain chains and certain events from it. Maybe 50 other validators vote on events, um, you know, from, from different other chains. And so they don't all have to do the same work, right? So you're kind of horizontally scaling and everything is kind of compartmentalized across the validator set of Axelar. Two, though, um, I think there are actually plans and, and, and kind of some early work that we're doing is how to potentially, you know, spin up, let's say, another version of Axel Network that will take care of some other connectivity, right? Or even some other paths right? And so what that means is that, you know, um, you can you can think about kind of security of that separately, but what that means is that, again, it's a kind of horizontal scaling strategy where certain paths can be optimized for, you know, either certain traffic or certain chains, and you can continue scaling uh, that way. Underneath all of this is, again, communication across all the excellent networks, right, like through IBC, and kind of we have kind of sort of routing protocols that we're thinking through, um, and that allows us Again, horizontal scale and be able to continue connecting more
1: ecosystems as we we'll go along. Awesome, thank you, Sergey. Does, uh, is anybody else out there in the crowd want to come up and <clears throat> ask a question, or if there's anybody else uh, up here, Poss or Clay or Gaines, do you guys have a question you want to ask?
4: What's going on, fellas? I've been drinking a little bit, but yeah, I mean, everything I just heard is uh, it's very bullish, and um, people don't really get it. I don't think of how innovative this technology is. You know, I think it's going to be made very simple. I I don't know, you know, some of the talk is a little bit more high tech for a lot of people maybe listening, but I just think it's going to be very, we'll just use a simple word. It'll be very customer friendly. Customer experience will be very good with this, as opposed to other solutions out there that I think are a little bit more difficult to use.
3: Yeah. I mean, the way we like to think about it, and I think the, the, the world that we're working towards is that everything is one click, right, for the user. Like as simple as that, like wherever you started from, one click, like you should get your result done. And, you know, we're not there yet, but that's something we're going to have to work towards together as a community. But I think it's it's critical to get that user simplicity in there.
4: So when you were saying about like the, the transactions, you know, like say you had Ethereum and you want to get whatever swap or some sort of transaction on osmosis, is, is that going to actually... directly i mean i know it'll come from osmosis but like what would it look like on their end is it going to be more just like on a kepler app or like how is that going to
3: work or i guess your app right well no i mean I, i guess like the way that i would imagine it is that you go to um you know a front end right maybe it's osmosis front end or whatever that ends up being you um you write down exactly, or you select exactly what you want to swap for what, right? And it could be one asset for another, like ETH for for AVAX, right? Um, when you click on the transaction, kind of underneath it, it will be then routed, right, from you know Ethereum through Axler to Osmosis, actually executed on Osmosis, and then routed back to you know your wallet on your on your destination chain. So yeah, kind of you you'd come through a central front end, right, like on Osmosis. Just pick whatever it is that you want to do, but underneath it, those requests will be kind of executed across multiple chains if needs to be.
4: And then how long do you think that transaction would take? Like, I I know you guys are doing like E-money, Phantom, Moonbeam, Avalanche, like Osmosis, Ethereum, Cosmos, Polygon, probably more after that too. So like, you know, there's someone that's not like fully enabled with like IBC you know, and they wanted to do a transaction, how long would that take, you think, for them to, to do all that?
3: Yeah, so typically it's, it's just a function of like the latency of the source chain, right? Plus, you know, a couple blocks on Axelar plus the latency on the destination chain, right? So, you know, Axelar is uh, Cosmos based, so we have five, six seconds, you know, block time, you know, as most as a similar way, And then on the source chain, you know, if you're talking about proof of stake network, then again, you're talking about a couple of seconds. Um, You know, if you're talking about Ethereum, where the confirmation needs to be longer, um, then, you know, maybe that takes a couple of minutes. Um, But yeah, overall, within proof of stake networks, I definitely think we can get into kind of second, uh, you know, uh, ranges for proof of uh, work networks that could be a little bit higher. But that being said, I do think you can actually do, you know, very interesting, like, again, optimizations at the, just below the application layer where you can have maybe, you know, some liquidity where you process some transactions like instantaneously and then settle them through this route in a little bit slower on the backend, right? And I think a, kind of a couple of projects projects um, have, have looked at doing this. I think, you know, it is pretty straightforward. You can build it on top of kind of these transport layers and give users almost instant, you um, uh you know swaps while kind of settling on the back end a little bit slower if you choose to do so nice
4: so i'm I'm assuming the, like the prefix like say you guys do end up winning the, the vote for osmosis it would just be axl and then whatever asset like eth after that kind of like it is on frontier right now do you yeah, know so- that
3: great question i mean i don't know what it would be displayed right i think that the osmosis community will need to uh kind of decide how to how to display it either you know of the native asset itself or with the excel prefix yeah um it's a good question i
4: should know that answer because i do help out with osmosis i'm not sure if they're going to do that or not i just want to know how it would work through like the rest of the ecosystems you know like if um i was assuming that if it was on Osmosis, that it would be on Cosmos the same way too. Just I just mean like the composability of it, just the, the pre so there's not like different prefixes, so to speak. Like how it is right now with IBC, if you send over whatever asset, it's whatever asset it doesn't have like, hey, well, it's it's O cosmo because it's on you're sending it from Osmosis. I didn't know if that's gonna be like the same way if it's like Ethereum or like tokens that are outside of IBC, so to speak.
3: Yeah. I mean, for some assets, we have added like Excel prefix that because there were like other assets that we uh, kind of moved around, um, I think, for yeah, for for within the cosmos, uh, either way could could technically work depends on again, like are you going to have, you know, other paths or other, um, you know, routes for those assets as well. So I, I didn't I missed probably like the first 20 minutes.
4: I got in about 920 here. So did you talk about like, how long have you been built working on um, Axler? Like how many, how long did it take you guys to do this?
3: Yeah, no, great question. We've been working on this for a little over a year and a half, right? I think the first uh, kind of year and a bit was mostly just focusing on building like the core technology itself. Um, then we entered like a testnet phase. We run those uh, various testnets with our validators and our community. Kind of got a lot of feedback. And then we've gone through, you know, many, many audits um, to date and kind of continue in doing that. Um, I mean, like I said, I think we're still, you know, pretty early in our development. We, um, We still have pretty deep roadmap how to continue innovating, how to continue building, you know, more general functionalities and also services around the network. I think, you know, one thing people don't realize is that whenever you're talking about this interoperability, you know, it's not about just the core protocol, right? Like you do have to have those services around the network that give people visibility of the state of their transactions, that give them... An ability, you know, to to recover if things go well, give people an ability to do one click transactions. So I think of all of those things as like there is um, services that need to build be built around you know interoperability stacks, and we're kind of working on those as well. Nice. Well, I know Marty, you've had your hand up for a while, so go ahead, Marty.
4: Um, great uh, space so far. So, could you just? give it give me some thinking i guess about um interchain options you know is have you guys thought much about that and how that might
3: work it differently or the same Sir, i'm not sure i i could what do you mean by interchain options so if if i wanted to play with you know dydx options
4: okay, and build a contract inside of, you know, whatever. Is that something that, you know, this, you know, XLR is gonna be able to support or do they have a plan for dealing with options?
3: Yeah, I mean, kind of the general message passing protocol, right, allows you to effectively pass an arbitrary, um, you know, payload, right? And so, wherever you wanna work with, you know, options, other types of assets, as long as you can encode your intent or whatever you're trying to do, you know, in a in a in a code mm-hmm. format uh, and program it, then Axela will just be the transport layer that allows you to relate and um, you know execute it, right? So it's kind of no different than you effectively executing a program on one chain. In in this case, you can encode that intent or program, you know, as a message and we'll
2: just deliver it and execute it on a different chain. Does that make First. sense? Yep, thank you. Awesome, great question,
1: Sergey, Did you you came over from Algorand, didn't you?
4: Yeah. Nice. I like Algorand. It's one of the one of the uh, chains that I like outside of IBC.
1: Yeah. Sorry. When I when I heard uh, you know help found Algorand and you worked on Algorand and then you saw Cosmos and just realized hmm. kind of you know like Algorand was. It's, it was still something great but it was kind of early and then you kind of saw your niche that you really wanted to dive into of the the interoperability, you know, problem problem solving, um, you know, that was really cool and that just got me, you know, kind of hooked on Axelor and, and what you're trying to do because you know, that's that's the first thing that I, you know, I, you know, diving into this, you start seeing all these chains and you're like, what the hell, like, how do we just make this like kind of like one internet, you know, and then boom, you find the cosmos and you're trying to bring, you know, the cosmos you know, ethos to kind of Every other blockchain out there is, is really, really cool.
3: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think like Cosmos really kind of laid down the foundation, right, for thinking about sort of interoperability and kind of a cross-chain communication. Um and so I think, yeah, taking it to the next level and I think being able to onboard, you know, millions and billions of users. I think we have to get, you know, a level above just protocols. We have to get think about you know, the services we have to build think about unlimited connectivity, we have to think about like user experiences. Um, so that, you know, as a, on the internet, right, like we're interacting with, with web apps, packets flow through, you know, dozens of different networks, many users interact with the same app at the same time. And they don't think about, you know, interoperability, they don't think about what happens under the hood. And so that's really our goal is to Build experiences and enable technology that will allow to build things like this, where users don't have to think about how to bridge or move
1: around. I think all of that needs to be obfuscated. So uh, I got another question from the crowd for you. Um, so is there anything that we should expect uh, from like a Cosmos Axlar, um, you know, combination? I think they said that right now we have Axel C. Um, should we expect anything else like that?
3: Yeah, there are quite a few applications that are that have been built, right? I think, we're, you know, we just started kind of at the rollout of the of the network and the, the general message pass. And so, yeah, I think, you know, kind of a wallets, I think, need to be taken to the next level as we get multi-chain, right? Be able to interact with all these apps in an easier way. Um, I think, you know, payments um, and I think liquidity layers is definitely kind of a super important um yeah I think these are kind of just sample applications I think NFTs are super interesting and we have a couple of folks that are um using them in different ways right you can imagine you know not just moving an NFT around but you can imagine taking a loan against it right so let's say like there's an NFT on ethereum and you want to get you know a loan against it and um, you can then lock it in one contract pass a message to another um, you know, application that will give you the loan like on a different chain. So I think that that kind of brings us back to the, the point that I mentioned earlier is that I think we're going to see, you know, a layer up with this general composability. And
1: I think that would be, a, you know, something really exciting to see. Just a reminder, anybody out in the crowd, if you have any questions, feel free to request the mic and come up on stage um, or you can just send uh, me a DM and I'll uh, I'll ask for you. If you're shy. Uh- So one question that I've gotten from a few people, uh, kind of in this realm, um, for the Axelar token, was there an ICO or did Axelar get any ICF funding? Um, Or what did that look like um, to to fund your project?
3: Yeah, no, great question. So uh, we raised a couple of rounds with, uh, you know, private investors. Uh, (coughs) uh, Sorry. Yeah. And uh, kind of raised, um, you know, a seed uh, seed round, uh, a Series A. And then a series B afterwards, we did a coin list uh, sale, um, you know, a couple of months ago as well. So we had, you know, pretty great turnout. I think like 45,000 people, you know, participated in that. Uh, And so, yeah, I think, you know, been fortunate enough to have a lot of kind of early supporters of uh, as well as the community that just got on boarded to the project. And then, you know, the token rollout will kind of follow uh, shortly.
1: And the uh, the coinless sale that was kind of uh, like open to pretty much the entire community as long as they were kind of uh, able to KYC and everything, correct? Yeah, it was just completely open that anybody could participate in it. Awesome. And then, so where should we? Where's the first place that we can see the Axlar token for the people that are out here wanting to uh, be early supporters and try to find their way into the Axlar network? Yeah, no, good
3: question. Um... I mean, I don't think you know can answer that just yet. I think we'll see uh, over the coming months. Definitely hoping that it will have you know uh, a lot of presence uh, on osmosis with uh, potentially uh, you know some interesting uh, programs behind it. But let's wait and see. Travis, how
5: uh, are you doing? hey, hey, don't. Uh, I had a question. Uh, so I noticed that the XLR is already on uh, Terra Bridge, right? Um, what is your what is your take on a single bridge versus multi bridge like what they have on uh, Terra?
3: Yeah, so I mean anybody that's the beauty of Axelar because it's an open network right anybody can integrate and build it to their front end so you know Terra did it I think a bunch of other projects have just building the same functionality to their uh, you know to, to their front ends. Um, what's my take on this you know single bridge versus multi bridge? I mean I think it fragments liquidity and I think that's what's something you know we we've seen more and more in the ecosystem where um effectively moving assets and moving state, you know, it's a path that you have to take, right? And whenever you're talking about an asset transfer, you have to sort of trust that path one way or another. Um and I think with multiple bridges, we're seeing a lot of fragmentation that causes user confusion, right? And I think, you know, together, I think as an industry, um, there are ver- various ways to potentially deal with it, but um, you know, it's not a simple problem. And I think, you know, at least in the short term, um, it has, um, you know, we have certainly seen some questions from the community where they try to understand what's the difference between those things. And so I, I think this goes back to my point that I said earlier. I don't I don't want people to see bridges, right? <laughs> I don't want people to have to move their tokens explicitly. I want applications and users being able to interact with them in a seamless way, how it happens under the hood, one bridge, many bridge,
1: all of that needs to go away. And so I, I strongly think we need to work towards that. Agreed. You know, like, you know, when you're texting somebody or emailing somebody, you know, no matter where you're coming from, you don't see all that stuff that goes on in the background. It's just all you know is you type in with whatever you need to send or whatever you're trying to do and you hit send and it goes where it needs to go and comes out the right way. Um, So I can't wait to see that, you know, be be more of a standard throughout, you know, just blockchain in general. Do we have anybody else out there who has questions? Don't be afraid to ask. Raise your hand. Come up on stage. So Sergey, uh, what does it look like for somebody to become a validator for uh, for Axlar? Like, say, Cosmos Spaces is uh, really interested in doing it. Um, should we be involved in the testnet right now? Should we be following along with any uh, more documentation? Um, is there any kind of like uh, you know sign up <laughs> um, to get in, or do we need to wait for the uh, the token to go live? Yeah, no, I think the best way to get involved is just to jump
3: on our Discord, right? There's a testnet channel, there's a developer channel, you know, you can spin up a node on the on the test network. Um, there's, a, you know, quite a lot of documentation, which we're still working on, and I think we're going to be updating over the coming weeks. But yeah, there are all the instructions for how to spin up a node, how to join, how to register, you know, RPC endpoints and and learn about the network, follow, you know, upgrades. And yeah, once you're comfortable with that, you know, you can
1: transition to the, to the mainnet from there. Awesome. Yeah, definitely on our team. We're uh, we're really excited about Axelar from, you know, from the, the experience that we're going to be able to have as users and be able to share with users and educate people with, um, but also too just the the really, you know, stuff you can geek out on, you know, underneath the hood um, and everything we're doing. We've got uh, some team members that are definitely into that stuff. Uh, so this is really cool and exciting. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I think
3: like, you know, validators are very uniquely positioned to help you know, kind of us grow the Web3 and all these transport layers, right? Because as a validator, then, you know, often things you can help with either, you know, relaying or, you know, if you have other nodes and just configuring RPC endpoints across them. So, yeah, I think I've, you know, been fortunate to have an amazing validator community, always looking for more. And I think it's going to be a critical piece of service, right, that the community will have to provide in order for us to, you
1: know, achieve interoperability the way we want. Very well said. You know, I know we're uh, we're going to try to get involved and try to be a part of that mission and uh, making that a reality. Amazing. Is there uh, anybody else out there? Off? You got any more questions you've been holding in?
4: No, nah, man. I'm just excited for the future. I'm always excited for the future. And I, you know, just went down the rabbit hole in IBC, and this just brings so much value. And eventually people outside of IBC is going to get here. You know, one way or another, and I think Axler could be a great solution to to bring a lot of eyes over here, because I think once, you know, whether it's osmosis or essentially any application or, or excuse me, not an application, but yeah, application or blockchain on uh, IBC, they're going to like the experience and want to stick around, whether it's, you know, all the different NFTs or Um, osmosis even juno like just all the applications and and things that you can do over here it's just smooth you know like the customer like i just like to say customer experience like the customer experience is like what it what it should be in crypto you know not to say anything bad about other chains but you know we have everything here it's a it's a working product and it just keeps improving and improving and i'm really looking forward to the future
1: for sure likewise Everybody, uh, make sure to go uh, check the last pin tweet up here. We have a uh, giveaway going on in our Discord. So if you uh, check that pin tweet, hop in the Discord, get verified, and go to our giveaway channel, um, you can enter in a giveaway. We're giving away uh, eight Osmo, uh, four winners, each getting two Osmo. So uh, might as well get in there and get some free uh, Osmo if you can play around with Axlar as soon as it launches and hopefully becomes the uh, canonical bridge for, for three and one Osmosis. Um, but we got Ruben that just came up I has a question. How you doing,
6: Ruben? Uh, broadly sufficient, largely functional today. Thank you for asking. Um, it's a great question. Uh, I, had, I had a question for uh, our, our, well, for anyone, really, you can answer it. Um, and the context is I've been trying to figure out um, what should be, what should define a transaction? that uh, we're going to like a layer two um, solution for peer-to-peer kind of Napster type functionality um, whilst retaining the rights of the creators as defined by those creators uh, to the extent they can be sort of set and enforced by a protocol rather than a bunch of attorneys like sending people DMCA's and cease and desist and so on and so forth, right? Particularly like in a pan-jurisdictional environment. Um, And so as we're starting to look at the sort of transactional layer, right? If a transaction would be Steve, the musician, makes a thing and Mary wants to create a derivative work from that thing, I think a transaction could be Mary says, hey, I want to use your thing. And Steve says, yes, you can use my thing. That's pretty straightforward. But if the transaction is, um, you know, somebody wants to listen to Mary's new thing and she says, "Okay, that's going to be a penny. And they say, cool, here's a penny. Thanks for letting me listen to the thing. Like, is that a transaction? Because now you're talking about, you know, I don't know how many songs you listen to a day but multiply that by the number of individuals you know that's just a wild amount of of of, of data right if that's getting if those if, if that sort of granularity is getting folded into a block and so um and there's two ways i can think of doing that one is sort of um removing those details from the overall block right everybody doesn't need to know that jehoshaphat listened to that particular song um and then the other way to do it is to either sort of fold that um, provenance or that sort of history of record, rather, either into like the specific version of the file that, you know, Jehoshaphat has. Um, so to use the, the asset itself as um, part of the historical record for the for the intents of people figuring out what happened with that person without having to like spread it across the entire chain um, or otherwise sort of offloading. Some of that um, history of record or provenance on, onto the individual user, turning a regular end user into some something closer to a validator. Um, than having like this sort of, you know, five percent of the network are validators, and everybody else is just sort of leveraging that. You know what I mean? And so I wonder, like, if you put yourself in those shoes of so somebody trying to figure out those problems what are the kinds of questions that one might ask oneself in pursuit of clarity and efficiency um, beyond efficacy? Um, if you're trying to make something that's sort of scaling across, yeah, you know, 400 plus million people um, given that most of the people aren't really going to see the, the nuts and bolts or care for that matter, but also recognizing that the sort of history of record um, is important and that the, the more data that you're capturing, the, man just just the the night the, it just the, it just blows up the block size you know what i'm saying so like um we, what might one look to um in pursuit of models of efficiency or what other kinds of questions might you ask yourself in um in that kind of scenario
3: that's a very deep question
4: <laughs> <laughs> i've had um, whiskey for that question <laughs> to be
3: honest with you <laughs> go ahead man okay sergey sergey <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a long conversation, right? And, the, um, you know, we can, we, can, we can go there. I mean, I do think, though, this is where I think one of the, um, you know, ways that Cosmos in general has been, you know, designed and the vision itself is where, you know, you can define what your transaction should look like and you can define your own notion of transaction, right? You can define what goes into the block or you know, what gets written into the disk or what doesn't get uh, written into the disk, right? Um, And so I think on the technical layer, um, I think the ability, you know, to customize what a transaction is, what happens with the data in that transaction, should, you know, the whole payload be included or not? Should the, you know, should that transaction actually then make a call to some other, you know, chain where maybe the data is actually stored to, to be, you know, executed on, Uh, And then relay it back with information that you only want um, is that, you know, definitely something I think you'll have enough flexibility on over the coming years with all the interop coming to life, right, with, um, you know, Cosmos and other chains. And, um, yeah, I think that's the future that I see is that you get to define, I think, what your transaction is.
6: How about that? Sorry, I was just getting to the mic. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, the, the, the challenge in this context is that we're dealing with multiple classes of actors, um, some of whom are enthusiastic about transparency and provenance, and others who um, historically have actively um, invested in, in, in removing that transparency and obfuscating things that, um, in pursuit of asymmetric awareness or access, right, um, as a stakeholder class. So, um, you know, uh, what's a good example of that? Um, uh, right now, there's a there's a protocol called DDEX, which um, all the Spotify's and the Pandora's used to communicate to the PROs, for example. Um, but nobody really audits any of that information, right? And so, you know, who's to say as to whether or not that, that data is sort of accurate? Um, what we know is that 93% of all songs played within a 24 hour period are held by three rights holders who happen to have relationships with the distribution platforms uh, through which we access them. Um, And and so, you know, you can see a world where um, if, if the sort of provenance or the the nature of the transactions is left up to the, uh, in the, the individual that certain classes of actors would choose to hide information or to not include information. um, to their sort of individual benefit at the expense of collective benefits, right? Or t- collective transparency. And there's, there's always a trade-off between, you know, um, well, much of the time there are trade-offs between individual and collective benefits. But um, I'm just, uh, I guess if I wanted to sort of see, um, if I wanted to query um you know using some sort of blockchain explorer how some of the different chains are handling some of these transactions um are there any what should i tell me what to google man <laughs> do, you, do you know what i'm saying uh, we could take this offline too i'm just i'm just curious
3: yeah sir, sir. i missed the last uh kind of point uh, you cut off for a second for me could you just repeat the last sentence
6: yeah so um to the extent that there is what it's got to be at least for blockchains out there these days, um, you know, are there any sort of common vectors of querying um, things, terms um, that I might, that one might sort of use to sort of just look at a block, right, on each of these chains and figure out like what the sort of the data load is and what are are these sort of um, sort of at scale ramifications of adding in 50 bytes of information uh, within a particular transaction uh, class, for example, right? Like, um, and this this might be a little sort of abstract for the room here. Um, but I, I guess if, if one was sort of looking to sort of quantify some of these sort of um, micro transactional related questions and then look at, at what that looks like at scale, Are there any sort of common vectors of questioning, or like what what would would the first thing you Google be, or whatever the blockchain explorer equivalent of Google would be?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. uh, You know, I understood. I think everything, and you know, maybe we can take this offline. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think like one of the things, like I mentioned, you know, I think we're we're largely missing in the space is like just the tooling and then the services right for interacting with multiple, you know, chains or multiple ecosystems. Um, I think we've actually tried to solve some of this. So if you go to, um, you know, crosschain.xrscan.io, it was actually a tool that uh, our community tried to build to give you, like, traceability of transactions across, you know, uh, different ecosystems as they're moved around and you can understand, you know, the state of the transfer and things like that. But I think it was kind of a, you know, a first attempt at, given uh some visibility um in the this multi-chain world and i certainly think we need kind of a more infrastructure um similar as you're building you know an app right um i think one of the things we've been discussing internally is that you know how do you how do you get this visibility across multiple ecosystems or multiple chains you know with one query that serve you know universally yeah. um yeah I, I, frankly i think this is something we have to work towards as, as an industry and uh, build these services over the years
6: yeah yeah, just consensus around standards, right? Um, on, on that, uh, and while we're here, I'll, I'll, this is slightly divergent, but um, I think core to some of the IBC stuff in general. Um, as a human who is building stuff that is trying to sort of create a, an environment where somebody can make a thing and transactions related to that thing are put on a ledger that is shared among parties, one of the concerns that I have is um, that to the extent that there are gating functions applied to an asset, right? I'm Steve, let's go back to Steve. Uh, I'm Steve, I make a thing, and the thing is 20 bucks, right? And then um, as part of that uh, transaction, I say, look, well, if you sell that to somebody else, I'm going to put in like a secondary royalty contract for $1, right? So you can sell that, well, for 5%. Right. Um, now, if that person, if the counterparty then sort of wraps that um, in something, some other chain um, and then or maybe like he just creates a new wallet, gives it to that wallet uh, for, for nothing. Um, you know, the, the, the less friction there is cross chain, the greater the burden is um, on anybody who's trying to structure provenance into the transactional profile. Right. Because, um, you know, one if something (laughs) as soon as something gets onto Monero or Zcash, like good, good luck figuring like how the hell are you going to take care of AML and KYC? Right. Um, Because if you can just wrap those transactions uh, into privacy chain um, layers, um, the cross chain um, sort of accessibility and flexibility. Um, ends up having this sort of trade-off um, with um, the provenance um, being undermined by that um, reduction in friction. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, a, is, is this a conversation that's happening in other environments or other chains where the reduction in friction cross-chain is messing up everybody's day when it comes to provenance? Yeah,
3: no, uh, I think it's a, it's a great question, but I think it's kind of a not necessarily specific to cross chain it's more about you know the 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 privacy technology and privacy tools in general right could go both ways it can give you you know verifiability and accountability and uh, you know privacy but at the same time you know it 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 prevents from some type of traceability right and then kind of a KYC so i think cross chain in this case you can think of it as you know if everything is open like the same thing as we built with uh, kind of a cross chain XLR scanner you know you can trace everything you know it's not hard it just becomes an engineering problem um just privacy technology in general that would make things complicated but it's no different than like applying a privacy technology right or zero knowledge or you know anything else like on top of ethereum right where you know you can have some coins or some type of transactions that all of a sudden become you know shielded um so yeah i mean i i don't see i guess necessarily as um kind of a cross-chain being a specific factor in this. Uh, it's more that, you know, in either case we have, we, we can trace things Um and some things may not be traceable depending on what kind of technology they end up, uh, those transactions end up interacting with.
6: Yeah, I appreciate that. It, these are these are hard problems and, and you know, I'm not sure they're going to get solved uh, overnight or by any single party necessarily, right? Um, but I appreciate the insight for sure. Awesome. Thanks for the questions.
1: Cool. If there's uh, anybody else out there that has any last questions for Sergey, before we kind of let him uh, get to the rest of his night and go to bed after all this uh, hard work he's been up to. Um, Sergey, is there any last word you want to say to kind of uh, (laughs) let people know why we should choose Axelar as the uh, canonical bridge for osmosis for Ethereum assets and every every asset going forward even? Um, And what should we know as we go into this vote?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we, we said all the key points, right? I think, you know, Axel provides the secure transport layer. We can enable very simple experience, I think, for the osmosis users. And we can unlock all kinds of applications and use cases with, you know, general message passing and many network connectivities. So, yeah, I think that the last thing, I think, will also, the axler Foundation has actually committed, you know, uh, um certain fraction of its uh, token, right, for various incentives on Osmosis, at least 1% has been committed. So, definitely, you know, if the Axler is selected, we're going to see some interesting, you know, rewards and some interesting incentives um, on Osmosis
1: for people to continue interacting and, and, and playing with it. So, I think that would be exciting as well. Awesome. And then, uh, any alpha maybe that uh, people uh, haven't heard yet that maybe since the voters come, you can share or something you just haven't really told anybody yet. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, um, let's see. I guess expect to see some interest in cross chain things. How about that? I'll leave it at
0: that.
1: Man, all this energy account stuff. Now we're going cross chain, inter chain. Yeah, this is all. This is all like inter chain, cross chain. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah.
5: Travis had Pokemon
1: evolution. How you doing,
5: Travis? <laughs> Hey, so i i, I had a comp- I have a company that I started 25 years ago called Cross Tree, and for last two decades, I've been communicating to people about bridging disciplines, transdisciplinary uh, education, and all that stuff. And so, I don't know how this word "bridge" uh, as an analogy came on to the blockchain ecosystem, but I communicate with the newbies that are onto coming onto Web three ecosystem and the educational. Capacity uh, for the last um, the newbies mean, meaning like for the last two years they're just finding out about it uh, with thanks to NFT mo- mostly for for the creative artists um, so I communicate that to, to them as like what uh, Sergey and what some of the uh, speakers have said is like you don't you want these technologies to go away and that to me is more like a, a tunnel process not a bridge something that you see right so um, IBC I I, I I tell people IBC is like a tunnel. Everything else that breaks is a bridge. And <laughs> so um, like like in quantum tunneling, um, like you don't know what, what happens, but it works. Right. And maybe in the governance proposal, you might want to sneak that word tunnel in there instead of the bridge.
3: <laughs> I love it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Teleportation. How about that? We're going to teleport <laughs>
1: information and assets.
5: There's actually a. Uh, 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 connection between quantum tunneling uh, that Western science has recently discovered and the Eastern art of Mu which is nothingness which goes back 5,000 years and it's making a complete uh, circle so I think I think um, the tunneling something that's uh, something that you don't see it that's invisible uh, it's something that most people are not gonna even care or know how it works um, uh, might be more conducive as far as the communication language for uh, general public awesome
1: awesome well that was a that was some great uh, bridge talk we're at talk learned a lot here um like we said earlier it's always it's always good to learn in public you know and especially when we can get people like you sir with your your big galaxy brain <laughs> you know to kind of share with us and you know educate us on what's going on and um keep us all informed it's great and we appreciate your time and and everything you're doing and all the hard work you're putting in um and i think that uh the team wanted to let you know that uh the cosmos space is validator on Osmosis uh we'll be voting yes on the Axle bridge proposal for the vote for you guys so we're excited um we appreciate you and i uh, can't wait to see uh where this leads and all the cool stuff coming especially dogecoin Awesome. Thanks guys so much for having me. This was uh,
3: super fun and uh, yeah, I really appreciate your support and uh, Thanks so much for all the questions
1: Thank you. I got you. Enjoy your night. We'll uh, we'll be in touch We'll have you on again soon. I know there's gonna be a lot going on <laughs> See ya See ya. Thank you tricky All right, everybody. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, don't forget we have that uh, giveaway going on the discord. So Hop in there, jump in that giveaway uh, before the timer's up. Um, thank you to the Osmosis Support Lab for uh, giving us the Osmo to love you with. So uh, we'll uh, wrap this up. Appreciate everybody for coming. It was a great space. Um, until next time. Any questions, uh, cool. Any words? Yeah. No, man. I I appreciate this uh, space, Ricky. Thank you so much for hosting it. I was at work, but um, listened to all of it. It was awesome. Yeah, man. Good times.
4: I'm looking forward to it. just that people don't realize like what what's going on right now. They see like the markets like down basically in crypto in general. But that's, you know, I don't even care like this. If people seem like the swings I have, I, I just don't care because that's just what that's just part of the game. man. it's just a long it's a long play. And these technology is what crypto is. It's, just, it's future technology. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you invested in technology back in the early 90s and all that it was the same way. It's just very volatile, but we're on the right train. IBC is the truth. That's all. I, that's all I know. You know, it's we're we're on the right train. It just keeps building and building and building. It's just going to keep improving,
1: and uh, we're in the right spot. So, can't wait for the future. Oh yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you uh, tomorrow night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, and then Sunday at uh, noon Eastern. Um, got some good stuff for you guys the rest of the weekend too. So. Alright, y'all, appreciate it. Everybody have a good.
0: Right. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Bridging Beyond the IBC with Axelar, hosted by Tricky Crypto from Cosmospaces. Spaces. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Mutation.
7: It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia evolution. Use form. Diving through the forest, looking for the door to the portal. it will take me down the corridor. I'm ignoring the warning, storing importance, the cord looks sourced from ancient coordinates. Smells like musty mutants, trust me. I've been hunting bugs since the leaves started rustling. I must be getting close, yo, the scene is disgusting. Parasitic mutation, leaching off the country. Grab a couple samples and defy that custody. Feeding gamma rays to the beast and P-velocity, mutating awesomely. Pre-satel wannabe, taking off me taking. All the scraps that beat them to the lottery Always evolving to defy the possibly These are the things that will scream irresponsibly Feeling uneasy, these jeans get them off of me I don't mean to trip it in my new. When I'm out on the farm, spinning crop circles in your yard, reaching the stars. Need a way to get across. Got this little mutation, lets me hack key cards. Seems looking like it came out the first three saws, flexing like Rex when i Trying to research this genetic seesaw. Give me all the science and we'll leave you with a pre-slaw. Riders believe, they bleed these endorsements. Turning scientists into terrorist supporters. Gotta seize the spoils and release the spores. It's time to forage through DNA lore. So sink in a swim, silly Alice. Take the pill and see. We're all mad here. Taking over your facility. We are the mutants. We are the mutants. We are the mutants We are the mutants Unlock the lab, it's time to do this We are the mutants
0: We are the mutants We are the mutants, we are the mutants. Unlocked the last time you do this. Tender Spaces. <laughs>